This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. We'll continue now with a reading from John chapter 13. Um, Actually, almost about 20% of John's gospel, uh, his biography of Jesus, takes place in the upper room. It takes place uh, on Monday, Thursday. John remembered this vividly and this was such a big part of of, of what he remembered about Jesus that he spent a lot of time uh, talking about Jesus' teaching on this evening. So I'm going to read from uh, John chapter 13 and this will be the focus for for our message this evening. It was just before the Passover festival Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power And then he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not every one was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for allowing us to meditate on your word this evening. We pray that you would speak to our hearts, that that we would listen to this final teaching you had for your disciples and for us, and that we'd be moved to... To, to live it out, moved by your death and resurrection. In your name we pray, amen. I went to a Christian college 
And so we had chapel twice a day. And I don't remember all of the chapels, but I do remember one day walking into chapel from the back doors and the chapel was packed. Everybody was there. All the students were there. All the faculty was there. I think people from the community was there. It was standing room only. And I came to, to see that it was the last chapel for a beloved professor before he retired. And so everybody was, wanted to come to chapel that day to listen to his final teaching. He had been teaching there for decades and, and people were, were hanging on every word. They wanted to hear his whole ministry um, kind of boil down into what he thought was most important for people to hear. They wanted to hear the message from the great teacher. And that's very similar to what we're experiencing this evening. We're, we're gathered around uh, God's word as we remember Jesus' final teaching to his disciples before he died. And, and that's why we call it Monday Thursday. It's, a, it's actually a, a, a Latin word that means a command. It sounds like that word mandate. That, that Jesus was giving his final mandate, his final command. He was boiling down three years of ministry, really boiling down his whole ministry, in a way you could say boiling down all of the Bible into one clear message. And so let's open our ears, lean in, as we listen to Jesus, the great teacher. Now, John, the, the writer, he's, he, he's setting the stage for, stage for us uh, that the disciples were gathered for the Passover. He begins by saying this. He said, it was just before the Passover festival. Um, the, the Jewish people had been celebrating the Passover for about 1,400 years. And now, on this evening, when Jesus was going to give his final teaching before he became the ultimate Passover lamb— he gathered with his disciples and, and, and they were celebrating this very, very important meal. And John goes on, he says, he explains what Jesus was thinking in this moment. He says, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus knew that he didn't have many hours left, that his hour had come, that the, the purpose of his ministry was about to reach its climax as he was to take his throne on the cross. And, and so he loved his disciples and so he wanted to express that love to the very end, to spend his last moments with the disciples. John goes on to say this, the evening meal, the meal of the Passover, was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. The evening meal was in progress, but really everything was in progress. Uh, Jesus knew that, that, that one event was leading into the other. The devil had prompted Judas to betray Jesus. And like a line of dominoes that were set up, that was like the first domino to fall. Because soon Judas would leave and go get the Roman guards and show up at the Garden of Gethsemane. The next domino would fall would be the arrest of Jesus. And then he would be led before uh, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, where they would make false accusations against him. And then they would lead him before Pontius Pilate, uh, the Roman governor at the time. And they would make more false accusations against him. And that would lead to 
putting him on a cross. And from this time he was teaching this, less than 24 hours later, Jesus would be dead. And so one event was leading into another. And so Jesus understood the magnitude of this moment. And it says that that, that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus knew that he had all authority, unlimited power, but limited time left with his disciples. Now, if you had unlimited power, but a limited amount of time to use that power, what would you do with your final moments? If you could do anything, you had unlimited power, but a limited time, what would you do with that limited time and that unlimited power? Well, here's what Jesus did. It says, he knew he had unlimited power, that he come from God, he's returning to God. So, with his limited time, so... He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus decided to use his unlimited power in that limited amount of time with his disciples. He decided to use that to serve. He did the job of a slave. In, in, in Jesus' time, a, a slave would, would get down and wash people's feet when they walked into a room. But there was nobody there to do that kind of work. And so Jesus got down on his hands and knees and started washing the dirt and the bacteria off the disciples' feet. He, he washed the feet of James and John, which we know from other accounts that they were arguing over which one was the greatest. Jesus went on to wash people's feet like Thomas, who would later doubt him. Jesus even washed the feet of Judas, who at the moment was filled with with hell itself, filled with Satan, getting ready to to deceive and and betray Jesus. And he washed Judas' feet. And then when he got to Peter, he he was about to wash Peter's feet, but, but Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And then verse 7, Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter objected, no, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus responded, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus is saying, just calm down. Let me do what I want to do. Let me, let me do this. Let me wash your feet. I, I'm doing something important. And so Peter, uh, uh, kind of how he always is, goes to the extreme. He says, then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. As if this was some kind of ceremonial washing or some sort of baptism or something like that. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. Jesus was telling them, you are already clean. Uh, You were baptized. You are forgiven. I'm, I'm about to die for you. You are already spiritually clean. Not every one of you, Judas, had already rejected Jesus in unbelief. 
But he said, you are already clean. That's not what he was doing. He wasn't baptizing them. This wasn't a spiritual washing. He was doing something else. And so Jesus went on to explain what he was doing. He said, do you understand what I have done for you? Do you get this? Do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You should wash one another's feet. Jesus says, um, you call me teacher. Now, now Jesus was a, a teacher. He was a great teacher. In fact, he was a fantastic teacher. Uh, he was one of the best teachers. Now, a great teacher doesn't just tell you something. They show you. And that's why he was getting down, washing their feet. He wasn't going to say, uh, live like a servant. He wasn't just going to teach them a lesson. He was going to live out the lesson and show them what it looked like. So he says, you call me teacher and you're right. I am your teacher. And what was the lesson that he wanted to teach them? He said, you also call me Lord. Uh, that means master. You, already, you call me your, your Lord. I'm over you. I'm your master. And now your master has taken the place of a servant. And that was the lesson. That was his final teaching. Uh, to use his authority, to use his power to serve. And, and so Jesus went on and he said, um, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus says, I, I've, I've given you an example, and, and now you know that, that um, I, your master, take a place of a servant. Now you also, for the rest of your life, always use your power, always use who you are to serve. That was Jesus' great and final teaching. And then he went on to sum it up in verses 34 and 35. He, he sums up this whole teaching. His final word and testament to his disciples was this. He said, A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this... Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this is Jesus' final teaching. This is his message to, to his disciples, to us. This is him boiling down everything he wants us to know and believe. Really, the, the whole Bible, in a way, is contained in these verses uh, in, in, in this one final command, this new command. And so let's take a moment to walk through these uh, words moment by moment because this is the precious final message to us and to his disciples. And so Jesus says, I give you a new command. Now, now what does that mean, a new command? Well, in Greek, there are two different words for new. There's a Greek word, naos, or kindness. Naos means something brand new, something that's never been here before, something that, 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 that wasn't here before and now it's completely new. A new person was born. Naos. Then there's another Greek word for new, 
Um, kindness. Kindness means new and improved. Uh, kindness means to take something to the next level, to make something unique or different. And so, like, like if you get your car washed or detailed, it's the same car, but it's new and improved. Or if you, you, you have a house and you're, you're going to get your house um, refurbished or, or, or updated, it's the same house, but you're do- doing renovations on that house. It's new and improved. That's kindness. And John says Jesus was using that kindness kind of idea. That Jesus was taking the old commands and making them new and, re- appro- new and improved, taking them to the next level. Well, why did the old commands need to be renewed? Why did they need to be made new? Well, the old commands had to do with Moses. Um, Moses uh, lived about 1,400 years before Jesus, and, and he gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments. Maybe you're familiar with the Ten Commandments. But not just the Ten Commandments. People have counted all of the commands in the books of Moses. And there are over like 613 commands. And those commands were the stipulations between God and Israel. They were, they were between God and the nation of Israel. They were old commands based on an old story. The old story was that Israel had been in slavery for 400 years and Moses led them out of Egyptian slavery. God rescued the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery. That was the old story. And they remembered that old story with an old meal called the Passover. Um, See, God had sent plague upon plague in Egypt to free the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. But the final plague was the Passover plague, where God passed over all of the people and the people who had uh, blood of a lamb painted on their doorframe, God passed over them. But those who didn't, those who rejected God, they received that punishment. And that happened to all the Egyptians' firstborns. And so the Israelites let, ran out of there in haste um, so quickly they didn't have time for their bread to rise. And so for 1,400 years, God's people ate unleavened bread at the Passover. They ate a lamb at the Passover. They drank this special cup of Thanksgiving, this wine at the Passover to remember how God rescued them out of Egyptian slavery and gave them these laws and commands, these stipulations of this covenant, this contract with God's people. But now Jesus was making all things new. It wasn't brand new in the sense of something completely out of the ordinary. No, Jesus was building on that old story. He was building on that old story as an Israelite, as a Jew himself who celebrated the Passover. But now he was going to make it new. And so he says, I give you a a new command. Uh, Here's the new command. He says, love one another. Moses gave 613 commands. Uh, Who can remember all those commands, let alone fulfill them? And and those commands were specific just to Israel, and they were cultural ideas and cultural commands and ceremonial commands, and and they were temporary. But Jesus took took all of those and renovated them and showed how they were fulfilled in this one command, love one another. And that's why he washed his disciples' feet. He said, all the commands, all things that God wants you to do is fulfilled in this one command, love one another. 
That was the new command. And then that was part of a new story. Jesus went on to say, as I have loved you, so love one another. As I have loved you. The old story was, as God has taken you out of Egyptian slavery, so follow these commands. The new story was, as Jesus has loved us. Well, how did Jesus love us? He didn't just wash the disciples' feet. He washed away all of our sins. Tomorrow, Pastor Bill is going to lead us to the cross in the Good Friday service as we remember what Jesus' love looks like. Jesus' love looks like him becoming a servant, a slave, even treated as a criminal in the worst way possible so that God would always look at you with a smile, with acceptance, with forgiveness. All the things that keep you up at night, all maybe the temptations you've fallen into um, during this time of maybe isolation, all the things that, that make you worry, all the things that make you afraid, all these things that, that, that drag you down, Jesus took on all of them so you don't have to anymore. All the things that we want to hide, you don't have to hide anymore. You can bring that out into the open. Give that to Jesus as he pays for it on the cross. And then he leaves it at the cross as he walks out of an empty tomb, alive and made new. That's the new story. As Jesus has loved us, that's the new story that leads to the new command. And it's remembered in a new meal. For 1,400 years before Jesus, leading up to the day of Jesus, they celebrated the Passover. And then as the disciples were gathered with Jesus tonight, on this Monday, Thursday, Jesus took the, the food that was eaten at the Passover. He took that unleavened bread. He took the cup of wine and he says, this bread, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he said, this cup, this is a cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. He took that old meal and transformed it into the new meal. No longer is, is our meal pointing back to Egyptian slavery. Our points to the, the release from the slavery of sin and death. And man, I wish we could come together and eat that meal together. It, it breaks my heart that, 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 that we are separated in our different homes and, and we can't have that meal. But guess what? Soon, soon enough, we will get together again and eat that meal and that meal is so precious because not only are we remembering what Jesus did on the cross, but Jesus really comes to us. And so tonight, we receive from Jesus a new command, a new command that's connected to a new story remembered in a new meal. Uh, the new command to love one another based on a new story, Jesus' death and resurrection Remembered in a new meal. And again, this wasn't something brand new. It was built on the Old Testament, on all of those stories, built on, on, on that ancient story, built on the old, but made brand new in Jesus, made new for you. And when we let this new meal that reminds us of the new story, that leads us to a new command, that becomes our new identity. 
Our identity in Jesus Christ. No longer are we remembered just as sinners, but we are remembered as saved, as renewed, as redeemed children of God. And that makes us into new people. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin to live a new life. So what does that look like? Well, in the first century, in the Middle East, that looks like washing people's feet. And you could do that, I guess. I mean, there have been quite a few uh, churches that still do that. I guess you could right now if you wanted to uh, go get a basin of water and, and take off your shoes and, and wash each other's feet in your living room. I guess you could do that. But that's what happened in the first century in the Middle East. Uh, most of us are in the 21st century in the Midwest. And so what does it look like? Instead of washing feet, it looks more like washing dishes. Yeah, you children, get up after this service and go help your parents wash the dishes, right? It looks like sitting with your children and helping them through homework. Uh, in the first century, it was washing feet, and, and now it looks like checking on your neighbor to see if your neighbor's okay as everyone's quarantined in. It, it, it's doing whatever the thing that you really don't want to do, um, that you really usually want to put yourself first, but based on how Jesus put us first, now we want to think, how can I put somebody else first? How can I love people as God has so dearly loved me? How can I forgive people as God has so dearly forgiven me? How can I live out what I've received from God? That's the new command. And we need that more than ever. I know there's been a lot of, uh, of good stories through this pandemic, lots of wonderful stories of, of, of things that people are doing and trying, but there's also been some really sad stories. Uh, in many ways, this pandemic has brought out the worst in many of us. Uh, it's led us to be isolated. It's led us to be, um, to be bored. It's led us to maybe be filled with pride, and that's a dangerous recipe. Um, Sometimes maybe in our isolation, we would do things that we would never do before. Maybe you find yourself clicking on, on websites you never would click on before or, or drinking or eating to try to pacify and numb yourself to forget what's going on, things that you would never do before. And maybe in your boredom, you're, you're, you're not being the person that you used to be or, or maybe you see yourself being filled with pride. Well, Look at how Jesus' new command directs us to a new kind of life. Instead of, of, of falling into the isolation, the boredom, and the pride, listen to Jesus' new command based on this new story remembered in this new meal. Love one another. Love the people that are in, your, in that room with you right now as God has loved you. Love your neighbor as God has loved you. Love the people in your life. Don't just hear these words, but let's put this into practice. And here's what happens. Jesus explained what will happen when we do. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People will see Jesus. You can't see Jesus physically, but when you love one another, Jesus is made known among us and people will know Jesus, which is the most important thing right now. It's the only thing that can't be taken away from us. A, a God who loves us and dies for us and is resurrected for us, that's the, that's the thing we need now more than ever. And so when you love one another, people will know about Jesus. So here's my prayer. 
my prayer is that this message of Jesus' new command will, will bring you a new kind of life. It definitely had a huge impact on John. John was the apostle who wrote this down. And according to a, a very early tradition and, and a very highly regarded tradition, um, John was the only apostle out of Jesus' early followers, the only one who didn't die a martyr's death. He was the only one who lived into the old age. Every other one of Jesus' followers, uh, Thomas and, and Peter and, and James and all of these other disciples, they died a martyr's death. But not John. John was exiled to the island of Patmos, but then it seems like in his old age, he was brought back to pastor a congregation. And the story goes, a very ancient tradition, a very reliable tradition, is that, that John was, in his old age, carried out to speak to the congregation. And week after week, they would, they would gather around them and people would join and, and hang on every word. They want to hear the, the final words from the last one of Jesus' disciples. And here's what he would say. His whole sermon was this. Little children love one another. And then they would pick him out and carry him out. And week after week, he would preach that sermon Little children love one another. And supposedly he was asked, John, why do you keep preaching that one phrase? Why is that your whole sermon? And, and he said something like this. If we love one another, that will be enough. After a whole life, after being with Jesus, after, after doing all sorts of ministry his whole life, he could boil it down to this one little phrase, little children love one another. And so that's what we need to, to put in practice in our life. That's, that's our final, um, the final message that Jesus has for us. It's the message that gave purpose and meaning to John, uh, that last disciple. And it's the message that can give you purpose even in the middle of a pandemic. And so let's remember Jesus' sacrifice. Let's remember how he loved us. And just as Jesus has loved us, let us love one another. Little children, let's love one another. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we meditate on your suffering, on your sacrifice, on your devotion and love for us, we ask that we would be moved by that love and that somehow we would, we would receive this new story of your death and resurrection, and that would lead us by the power of your spirit to live out the new commandment, to love one another. Lord God, so many people right now are in pain and suffering and worry and anxiety. They've been led to, to sin and led into to, to worry. And so, Lord God, forgive us all and then give us direction and purpose in our lives. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.